Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. I'm a mom, physician assistant, writer, and life coach. Two years ago, I was feeling stuck, restless, overwhelmed, and I felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be, but I had no idea what that even meant. And the crazy part is my life had turned out pretty awesome, at least on paper, but I couldn't figure out what was wrong or why I felt out of alignment. A series of books and podcasts and conversations changed my life and revealed my next journey one step at a time. My purpose right now is to help you wake up to your soul's purpose by sharing conversations with amazing women who've walked in your shoes. Keep listening and the answers to your next step will come, I promise. We're all here for a reason, and I'll help you figure out what that is so you don't have to waste another minute sleepwalking through your life. I definitely don't have it all figured out, so I'll also share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. So if you've been thinking about hiring a life coach, or if you have no idea what a life coach is, and you're thinking, well, I don't know, I probably need one because I'm stuck, and a lot of what Hope says sort of resonates with me call me. Well, actually, don't call me. Let's let's schedule a time to talk. So you can email me hope.cook at gmail.com or go to my website, coachhopecook.com. And there's a place on there you can schedule a free discovery call. And what I've started doing is offering sort of a mini coaching session for free because so many people don't know what life coaching is. So you have nothing to lose. There's no pressure. So I highly recommend it. Hey, y'all, welcome to today's podcast episode. It's about mindsets. I used to think, what what is a mindset? Like, what are they talking about? Well, as simple as it sounds, mindset is your mindset. How is your how your mind is set on something? And you don't even realize it. It's probably been going on for years since childhood. Three common mindset issues have to do with time, money, and food. So this podcast is going to explore how any one of these three areas can keep you from moving forward. I often start a coaching session by asking my clients, what is their area of least satisfaction? And it's often centered around one of those three things. And the underlying root issue is usually um, control. You know, I feel like I don't have control or I'm clinging to control or I'm not worthy. So if these are at all familiar to you, then this is worth listening to. Okay, food. Y'all, I don't know a single woman without food issues. Do you? I mean, stop and think about it. And these are women you really know, like close friends. Either we overeat, we undereat, we have food guilt, we label foods as good or bad, or we compare ourselves like at a restaurant with what we're eating with what the other people at our table are eating. And we use that to sort of uh, grade ourselves as good or bad. Maybe I'm the only one. Or at the very least, we have control issues with food. So think back to your childhood. Did you get told, like I did, that you needed to finish everything on your plate because there were starving children? Do y'all remember those Sally Struthers commercials? They were awful. They had like those little little children with the big belly and the stick legs and flies were flying around their faces. And so maybe this led to food guilt. Or maybe you overeat 
on special occasions like birthdays and Halloween. And then as a kid, maybe you felt bad physically, but you learned that it was acceptable to indulge or gorge yourself when food was available because you wouldn't have access to those sandwiches again for a long time. I remember thinking that about Peeps. I used to be obsessed with Peeps, and this was before they had them for every holiday. So they were only for Easter. They were only chicks. And I would I would get a whole bunch of boxes and try to save them, and they would go bad. I even tried freezing them one time. Um, and like with my family, we didn't grow up with a food shortage, but my older sister and I were allocated one box of Little Debbie snack cakes a week and one box of cereal per week for each one of us. And my mom did not restrict like which ones we could get. It didn't matter how much sugar they had. I would get, you know, cookie crisp or fruity pebbles. But if we decided the other person, the other sister made a better choice, too bad. You made your bed and you were stuck with Starkist Little Debbie snacks for the next seven days instead of sister Swiss rolls with that yummy white icing in the middle. So we developed like this sort of food jealousy thing, or at least I did. I can't speak for my sister. And it also led to sort of a scarcity mindset, knowing that we were not grocery shopping again until Saturday. We did not go to the grocery store in the middle of the week. So scarcity and hoarding are close cousins. I remember hoarding candy, y'all, saving it for months. One Halloween, I decided to save my candy until summer camp the next year. (laughs) And I hid it under my bed in this red lunchbox. I can still see it. It was busting at the seams with candy. And I felt so rich. But we're going to talk in a minute about how food and money, um, I mean, you can... You can hoard both, and you often have overlap with how you think about food and how you think about money. Um, So the candy in my lunchbox fared pretty well under my bed, but when I got to camp, I had not thought about, we didn't have air conditioning. This was South Georgia in the middle of the summer. We didn't even have fans. The candy melted into one large, like, clump, and I can't imagine how many roaches and ants Um, had a field day with that. Um, And then I also had issues like my mom was a delicious cook, but I didn't think so at the time. I thought it was horrible. And I had a strong aversion to multiple ingredient dishes, especially casseroles. And she would not let me leave the table until I'd finished my food. And we also weren't allowed to have food after supper. So I remember my sister was once busted as she tried. She had a bowl of cereal with milk, sloshing it upstairs in her laundry basket. Um, so I kind of learned that you have to sneak food. Um, you know, we were also taught if you eat too much, you're going to get fat. So you kind of uh, didn't want people to see when you were indulging in foods that weren't good for you. I mean, even now, if we have an office uh, lunch, even if I really want the dessert, I am much less likely to eat it because I think people are watching. And if everybody leaves and I happen to go to the bathroom and pass by the break room and nobody's in there, then I'm more likely to get that Rice Krispie treat. Um, So do you, this kind of ties in too with time. Like, do you make yourself finish your to-dos before you get to work on the things that really light you up? Do you make sure everyone else in your house is fed before you? Or are you more of a self-preservationist? Like you take care of yourself and too bad for your kids if they're hungry, because if mama's hangry, then that's going to be bad. 
And, you know, so many of us use food as a reward. I also remember we didn't do like a lot of parents now, and I've been, um, I've been bad about doing this. Like you've had a bad day, so let's go by the bakery and get a treat. We didn't do that, but we would, um, I remember my mom making it like we would kind of sneak to a Chinese restaurant when my dad was out of town. He wouldn't have cared at all. But it was sort of like we were we were conspiratorial about, all right, all of us girls, we're going out to eat at a Chinese restaurant. Dad's out of town. Do you put off your joy until one day thinking that you'll be happy when X, Y, or Z happens? This is something so many of us do. We just, we, we think, okay, one day when I cut back to part-time, one day when the kids are old enough to take care of themselves, one day when my husband finishes his PhD. The problem is, of course, the line keeps moving back. The stars rarely align into that magical one day. And even if they do, that one day is over. And then you're on to the next thing. This happened to me with Disney. I never wanted to take our kids to Disney when they were little because it seemed like such a waste to stand in line and spend all that money. And they didn't even care. We didn't have the Disney Channel, so they didn't even know who Mickey was or care about Mickey. So we put it off, and now our kids are 14 and 10, and they wonder why we never took them to Disney. But it's one of those things that I just kept putting off and putting off and know they're not going to be, like, damaged because we didn't take them to Disney. And I realize this is a first-world problem, but bear with me. Okay, let's move to money. Think about your childhood and how it relates to money, the unspoken money beliefs. I did this in another episode where I I asked you to fill in the blank about rich people are blank. People who have money are you know, and usually you have some beliefs about that. Maybe you were taught that money was the root of all evil. Maybe money doesn't grow on trees. Um, maybe you were taught and not explicitly, it was just sort of a underlying, um, unspoken thing. People can't be trusted. Maybe they're not kind people. Maybe that you were taught that they care more about money than good deeds. And for those of you who grew up in the Bible Belt, maybe you were taught that rich people weren't as likely to be good Christians. So maybe you learned to hoard your money like food. How many of you have like dollars and stuff hidden in your drawers at home. I across like they were doing it first, but they came across a hundred dollar bill. And I forgot it was there, but my daughter's like, what is this money? Oh my gosh, it's a hundred dollars. And so I kind of got busted for hoarding money. I had no purpose for that money. I was not saving for anything. It was just one of those things where I guess I put it away and I was thinking this will be just mine. Nobody will find it. Um Maybe it was taboo to spend money on things that were high quality. Did you insist on buying things at Wong and placed a lot sooner than something that's higher quality? This was a shocker to me when I married Chase. He buys high quality stuff. You will not catch him in a Walmart. And it's not that he thinks he's too good for Walmart. He came from and how they made it. And he bought this very expensive coffee maker that will probably end up passing down to our children and our will. But I grew up learning that you buy coffee makers at Dollar General and you're just going to have to replace it about a year. 
So this has a lot to do, this is called a money mindset or even a money block. And it took me a long time to realize that I was not letting myself have nice stuff. Um, I had if, So in life coaching, sometimes we'll ask, what are you making that mean? Or what's your underlying uh, story behind that? And if you get quiet and you're honest with yourself, you may say, I mean, I guess I'm not worth it. And another thing that may um, open your eyes is if you spend money on other people, like your kids, so you don't mind dropping the money for a Patagonia coat for your daughter, but when it comes time to get your coat, you're shopping at a thrift store, you are buying, I did this, I bought a LL Bean kids coat because I'm short and have short arms and <laughs> the kids coat was cheaper, but I didn't really want a coat with my name you know, this coat belongs to label in the front of it. But I was like, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's good enough. But the underlying belief was I'm not worth it. So let's see. Um, yeah. So when when you buy something full price and brand new, that felt sinful to me. So start noticing these things. Um, maybe you shop because you feel like you're the only one who cares about you. So that's kind of how you show love. You sort of overspend. Maybe you think you better look out for yourself because no one else will. And things make you spe feel special and loved. So if you spend a lot of money on shopping and you don't consider price tags when you're buying all that stuff, do you also not pay attention to what you put in your mouth? It may not be the case, but just see if there are any correlations between how you splurge or spend on um, things and how you splurge on what you're eating. Do you let yourself have whatever you want because you deserve it? Or because if you don't take it for yourself, someone else will. So what's your mindset around food? And um, this also comes up in our refrigerator. I didn't realize that I also hoard food sometimes. And we had leftover pizza from a place in town that I really like. Had arugula on it. It was gluten-free, which you pay a lot of extra for that. And my husband came home and took a big old bite of the pizza. And I just got so mad and really, it wasn't anything to do with him. It I didn't even want the leftover pizza. It was just that he took it without asking, and I had all these underlying beliefs about um, something being mine, and I deserve it, and there's just major issues once you start digging below the surface. Okay, last thing, I want to talk about time. We often have similarities between our mindsets related to time and how we treat money and food. So are you stingy with your time? Do you feel like you have to hide to get time to yourself? Are you resentful when other people take time from you? Do you waste time and then you feel guilty? And this is similar to spending lots of money or eating indulgent food. Or maybe you nitpick time. You are aware of every minute that passes and how it needs to be spent. You wear a watch 24-7. You check it a million times a day. And maybe, if this is you, the nitpicker, maybe you also obsess over calories. So a little quiz here. How many of you can name how many calories and grams of sugar are in a banana or a tablespoon of almond butter? 
And are you the same people who know every penny you spend? Like you can tell me how much is in your bank account at any given time. This is not a bad thing. This is just something to examine. Like what are your beliefs about it? Do you feel like if you let go of control that something bad would happen or that you would lose everything? So I was the watch wearer and my husband would laugh and say, uh, he would call me Alexa. Alexa, how many time, how many minutes are left on the timer? And I was usually within a minute of the correct time. So, <laughs> I mean, I've always been hyper aware of things like back when fat grams were a thing. I could tell you how many fat grams were in every food I ate without even looking at the label. I could figure out um, like tax in my head for an item I'd make elaborate lists before we drove to the mall. We used to live two hours from the mall as a kid. And so I would have these lists of like how much everything was going to cost. And I would base it on like prices in the magazines because we didn't have internet. But now I have stopped wearing a watch. And I do my best not to read labels and obsess over what's in the foods. Um, plus, I have to have readers, so I can't really see the labels. But... I also try now to decide if I want to buy something before I know the price. So I ask myself, like, what kind of quality is it? Do I need it? How would it make me feel? Um, and then, yeah, thanks to Chase, the quality. So if I look at the price tag first, or if I read every food label before I ate something, I would never let myself have it. So isn't it funny how those two things are, you would think they're totally different, but we often have similar mindsets on them. So why are we talking about mindset? What does this have to do with recharting your life or being stuck? You may just be stuck because you have deep underlying beliefs that you're not worth it or that other people come before you or that you may be living for one day when everything lines up perfectly. Or maybe you're so cheap you won't allow yourself to do anything that costs money. But I want to ask you, do you let your kids do travel ball? And that's like thousands of dollars, or it can be. Do they have private lessons for something? Do they go to private school? But maybe you would never spend that kind of money on you. And with food, do you buy your kids whatever snacks they want and let them get whatever you want, whatever they want when you're at a restaurant? And maybe you don't mention to them like what's in the food because you sort of feel like they deserve it or you don't want to be the bad guy and tell them that it's full of crap. But then you won't even let yourself have a Dove chocolate piece. And then time. Do you spend hours driving your little kids to and from different things and your weekends revolve around their schedules, but then you never take a Saturday, an entire Saturday for yourself? Okay, so your homework is to notice when you get anxious or have a reaction about time, money, or food. Notice if you're not letting yourself have something or if you're spending mindlessly, whether it's time, food, or money. Notice if you're medicating <laughs> with food or money. I mean, sorry, food or, um, yeah, money, spending. Does shopping soothe you when you've had a stressful day? Or maybe food does the soothing. 
So think about how you normally react and what if you did the opposite for a week? So if you normally wear a watch everywhere, what if you did the opposite? If you normally um, really restrict what you eat and you have all these food rules and all this control, what if you did the opposite? Okay, whatever your first thought was when I suggested you do the opposite, this is a sneaky way to get you to sort of... uh, admit your limiting belief. So if your belief just now is like, I can't do that, I'll get fat. Or I can't be trusted around food. Or you might think, oh no, I better stockpile what I need now. You know, and the underlying belief there is like, there's never enough. So that is all I have for you today. Let me know how you do on your homework. I'd love to hear if this made you more aware of what you're spending or eating or, yeah, how you're spending your time. Come on over to coachhopecook.com or email me at hope.cook at gmail.com. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.